stayed and not been wiped out as God wanted the fresh whiteboard to be cleared out. Even some of the things that have stayed are going to have to be revamped completely. Don't be afraid to do them. Don't be afraid, the Lord says, to knock over sacred cows. Don't be afraid to break some of the things that need to be broken in order to be reformed and remade. For God is a healing God. God is a God of new beginnings. When Jesus died, it was necessary that he die so that he be risen again. And the resurrection power of Christ is upon the business meetings and upon the activities here so that some things need to die so that they can be reborn. I have created this from the very beginning and I am recreating for some of the things the enemy had his stronghold in and those things he no longer has a stronghold in. But there are other things that are yet to be birthed. But the child is new and the child is young and it is baby. And in its time and in its season, it will give birth. It will give birth in a very early time and a very early season. So that what took years to do will now take months. And what took months will now take weeks, the Lord says. But you're being watched and you're being looked at. And even though this place, with the discomfort of scheduling, I don't know what that means, but with the discomfort of scheduling, I have given you creative ways to work around it and to work with it, says the Lord. And I, I, that portable platform, keep it buzzing, keep it busy, keep it occupied, the Lord says. And keep investing into the things that we're not invested in. And the cobwebs have been cleaned off of some things and have been picked up again, the Lord says. I'm taking you back to zero because I will place upon that platform and that foundation that I'm revamping great and mighty things that shall reach out. You're going to reach out electronically in an even greater way, the Lord says. Have it nice and tuned up. Yes, nice and tuned up. The website, the resource center. Have it nice and tuned up, the Lord says, because people will be clicking and finding you from different parts of the world. And then there's teaching. Teaching that you are prepared in. And teaching and everything that you're learning. <laughs> and Because this is information that's needed in church planting and starting again there's a move that will flow throughout the United States and throughout the world of restarting something that already exists and you'll be at the forefront of that because I'm giving you wisdom and I'm giving you experiences and yes in the process even some aches and pains and you'll need to get that into the hands of people that I'm calling to do the same thing in different places and different areas some are afraid of trying something new. Some are afraid of breaking something down and rebirthing it. But you'll have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the experience to be able to share it. You'll put it in written form and people will click it, open it up, and it'll be a guide. It'll be instructional. Get the library ready, the Lord says, because many will be clicking and understanding and receiving and hearing and watching, watching what I'm doing. They'll be able to see it electronically this has been prepared and now I've prepared you in it the Lord says as you prepare others to go forward in this area of ministry thank you Lord we receive that word God we receive that lift your hands say I receive that word Lord hallelujah thank you Lord praise God you may be seated this morning I need to share with you that tonight thank you so much for helping tonight 
is a healing service and you're looking at somebody that believes in healing, not only because I've seen God heal people's lives and, and bodies, but I myself received the healing uh, a little over a year ago that I'm, I'm going to share with tonight with you. But the gift of faith is going to be in operation all day today. Somebody say amen. amen. The gift of faith. Come on, say it. The gift of faith. All right. Now, you're going to be called by God to operate in it. Um, before I get started, though, um, uh, I'm talking about an anointing. I, I brought a flask of oil, figuratively, not spiritually, not physically, but I brought a flask of oil, and it is an anointing to pour out upon people this morning, and it's an anointing to win. <laughs> God wants you to win. Anybody got battles? Okay, winning is not just a nice thing, and it's not just something uh, that you can put together. There's an anointing for you to win, and I'm going to pour that anointing upon you. The Lord told me to do that this morning, just to pour an anointing to win, win wherever you're fighting. But I, I need to share this. Uh, my wife and I go all over the place. I just got back from Mexico, was that last week, from Villahermosa, uh, Tabasco, a couple of thousands of screaming teenagers at a youth convention at the convention center. And my gosh, we had a blast. I don't know how come they call this viejito to go uh, over there uh, with all the young people. But we had a great, great time. And after church, over at the way out, there is a company called Veya. And it is actually uh, members of a victory outreach that, that do this. And uh, we get T-shirts from them to sell. I love this one. Let the bad times roll. <laughs> and look at that ship in the middle of a storm, and it's nice and peaceful. And they uh, do that to help us with our, our traveling. I don't know. Oh, they're the other ones. Thank you. What's your name, brother? Matthew. All right. Matthew, are you on the worship team too? Oh, you are. What do you play? Yeah, okay. I thought I saw you up there. This is called One Minute with Pastor Roy. It's 30. It's a CD. It's 30 messages, 30 messages that are 90 seconds each. And, you know, you go to the doctor, you say, you know, I, I, and he'll say, okay, take one of these every day for 30 days. <laughs> Honestly, if you need faith, take one of these every morning for 30 days. Imagine what a 90-second faith message once a day on your way to work, on your way to school, on your way to... Rob houses, whatever you're going to do in the day. Just put it in your CD player and, and listen to it, and it will build your faith. And then these others, you know, uh, uh, we have a production company that does videos. This is Chrissy the Clown. We did this one for her, and it's, uh, it's great for kids. And I, here's a message called Moses Surrenders His Staff. Uh, this was done in Denver, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. This is called the Jehu Anointing, an anointing for a calling into ministry. This one's kind of fun. It's called Sounds of the Inner City. Uh, my favorite uh, uh, puppet is in it. His name is Gary. And this has uh, my mime team and others. I did this one. is a new one for Tinkerbell. Uh, I love Tinkerbell. Oh, she's great. And we had her there. Uh, we own a TV channel in the Fresno area, and we had her there. We did a great video for her. It's a lot of fun. And then uh, this one is called School of Hard Knocks. It's a Victory Outreach Santa Rosa drama, uh, and it's really good. And then this one I recommend, 
Uh, I preached it in Chicago. It's called, This is Only a Test. It'll help you pass your faith test, which comes right before a big miracle. You always get your faith tested. And they're $15 for one, two for 25, or three for 30, four for 40, and then we give you one free. Or the T-shirts. And thank you for letting me make that commercial. That helps our out-of-country trips. Plus, we do accept debit cards on every major credit card. So I get this real cool little swiper on my iPad. And it goes straight out of your account into Roy de la Garza ministry. So uh, if you didn't bring cash, uh, that'll, um, that's all right. Now, there is an anointing to win. Hello? And uh, there it is. There's an anointing to win. And this, I remember some years ago, you know, I went to preach in Omaha. And I was looking out of Omaha, Nebraska for a, for a, a hotel where they were having a meeting. I was going to be preaching. And I, it, the hotel, the guy at the hotel uh, where I was staying said, uh, you go straight down this way, and by the mall, you turn right. I said, God, there's a mall in this little place? And I, I'm going that way, and I, I went five, six, seven, ten miles, and I, I never saw a mall, and it got empty. And I drove all the way back to the guy at the hotel, and I said, uh, I, I didn't turn right. I didn't see the mall. What mall? I said, you said to turn right at the mall. No, he said, I said, go over here about a mall. About a mall. And turn right. So I realized he was saying about a mile. Okay. When I got lost, though, I did stop, and I saw these two men that looked like they were there for a while. And I learned, don't just ask anybody for a advice and don't just ask anybody for directions they will get you lost this viejito said to me you can't get there from here i said where i'm going he said no you you if i was you and i was going there i'd start someplace else not here (laughs) i said okay roll up the window god is not the author of confusion let me get out of here real quick But, you know, it stuck. I finally found a place, but it stuck to me when somebody says, you can't get there from here. If I were you and I was going there, I'd start someplace else. He was really convinced that where he was at, he couldn't get to. And and there was a difficulty getting from where he was to to where I was going. There was a, 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 a lot of extra turns I'd have to make. But you can get anywhere from anywhere. And you can get there from here. Slide, please. You really can. No matter what somebody tells you, you can get there from here. Now, in the Bible, there's that story of Samson. And we all know Samson. We know him because of his weakness for Philistine women. Especially Delilah. Wasn't she a number? And as beautiful as she was, she was his weakness. God used her uh, in his life. But the devil used that weakness in his life too. Turned out to be a blessing. God can make beauty out of ashes. He, but that doesn't mean he lit, he lit the fire that created the ashes. Uh, it was his weakness. Now, the enemy, not God, I'm sorry, used that to defeat him. But I'm not going to talk about... Uh, his cutting of hair, or, or how God used him, or how uh, the enemy deceived him. He'll never show up dressed 
in red with a pitchfork and horns. If the devil shows up at your house like that, it'll probably be October 31st and say trick or treat. No, he, the real one does not show up that way in your life. Um, I want to look at a lesser famous. He was the most famous judge of Israel. Judges. People with special abilities or powers that God used to execute his will and judgment over his people. The most famous, Samson. The least famous is the one I'm going to talk about this morning. Next slide, please. His name was Shamgar. And the Bible doesn't even say very much about him. Uh, uh, now, I'm sure he had weaknesses. I'm sure he had inabilities. Let me take a look, make sure we got him up there. Yeah. But it doesn't say any of them. And I know why. Because they're not important. We put such an emphasis on what our weaknesses are, what we can't do, what our inabilities are, what we don't have. And God looks right through that. And he doesn't even mention it. He doesn't even talk about it. Uh, weaknesses aren't as important as we think they are. Every great man and woman of God had some kind of problem or weakness. Go to the next slide, please. Are those all the great men and women of God up there? Okay. I can't see it, so I'm going to rely on you guys. Or, or somebody with glasses, just tilt your head up a little bit so I can see the reflection there. Elijah, powerful man of God, suffered depression. Here he is after he calls down fire from heaven, zoom, consumes an altar made of wood, soaked in water, brings revival, bunch of people get saved, kill all the false prophets of Baal, and the next chapter, he's in a cave saying, I wish I would never have been born. The queen's going to kill me. He just killed hundreds of false prophets, and he's afraid the queen's going to kill him. He suffered depression. Noah got drunk just days before the ark. You won't hear that one unless you read the word yourself. He was ready to be pulled out, and he's like, I don't know if it was, you know, mating season for the elephants or, or, or what, but something drove him to the bottle. He totally lost it. He got completely smashed drunk before the flood. Moses stuttered and was afraid of rejection. Oh, God, I can't go talk to the Pharaoh. Send Aaron. He speaks well. I don't. Of course, we see him as the prince of Egypt. But when God called him, you are going to speak to me? No. They won't believe me. They'll reject me. Afraid of rejection and a stutter, the great man of God, Moses. Martha was a stressed out worrier. Remember her? Lord, my sister stopped working. She left me all the work. And now she did say stopped working. She did say she left me with the work, which means they were probably both working. But when Jesus opened his mouth after meal and ready to teach, she said, you do the dishes. I'm going to sit and hear God's word. And Jesus said she chose the best part. Part. She had already done the other part. Now she's going to hang here and hear God's word. She was a stressed out worrier, Martha was, not yet God used her. 
Peter was a high-strung person who acted before he thought things out. Jesus had to say to him, like no other disciple, that he called Satan. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter. Man, if, can you imagine a rebuke like that? Some people say, I'm going to another church. You called me Satan. Nah. <laughs> he hung with him because he didn't always think before speaking. Rahab, God used her, and she was a harlot. We'll let that one hang. Abraham, Abraham was old, a senior citizen. And God, who I believe has a great sense of humor, takes this sweet old man that was actually older than you, Sister Susie. Yeah. And God tells him, go outside and count stars. He's got a viejito outside counting stars. One, <laughs> two. Angels are saying, God, when are you going to tell him? Let him count another 2,000 or three of them. And then God says, no, okay, you can stop counting. I'm just showing you what your descendants will be. He was at a place in his life when most people would be hanging up their shoes and saying, okay, I don't want to do anything. And yet old God used him. Lazarus, God used Lazarus and his testimony, and he was dead. So if these people and everyone in Scripture had real challenges and problems, you don't have a problem, and you don't have a challenge. I sometimes come to God and say, God, what am I going to do about this? And then I start seeing some of the people in the Bible. God wanted Moses to say, Pharaoh, let my people go, says the Lord. When he got there, he didn't even speak. Aaron had to speak. Pharaoh, God told Moses for him to tell me, for me to say to you, let the people go. That's why Pharaoh didn't believe him. God can use you. In fact, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. And over the next few minutes, I want to help you find and operate God's plan for you. If you know Christ as your Savior, he's got a plan. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, he's got a plan. God doesn't make junk. He certainly doesn't make mistakes. You are not an accident. A young man at a conference, a 14 years old, said to me some years ago, he came and said, my mom and dad said, I'm an accident. You're an accident? Yeah, they didn't want kids, they didn't expect kids, and I came out. <laughs> He's 14, I didn't know how much he knew, but I came and hugged him. Mijo, you're not an accident. There aren't any accidents. There are surprises. <laughs> but not accidents. Where did that come from? Whoa. No. God used this judge called Shamgar, and he was very, uh, wasn't famous. There isn't much said about him except in this verse. Did we read the verse? No, let's go back one and read the verse. Is that where the verse is? In Judges? Where, let's, let's go back. There it is. All right. Let's read that. You can read it up there. Judges 3.31. Okay, I'm going to need everybody to read it for me because I didn't put it in my notes here. Ready? Go. Huh? Okay, this is disorder. Let me try it here. There it is. After Ehud, which was a judge also, came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. Okay, the guy before him, Ehud. Now, he was a left-handed judge. 
Any lefties here today? Wow. Raise your left hand and praise the Lord. Yeah. Is that your husband sitting to your left? Yeah? Okay. I would sit at her right. Okay. See you. No. Uh, there was a judge who was a lefty. And let me tell you something. The guy before him was a valiant left-handed judge who led the people of Israel in victory against the great army of the Moabites. The peace that he created by his war lasted 80 years. But after that, Israel had a lot of enemies. Enemies that would invade them, plunder them, steal their stuff, clog up their wells of water. And, and, and there was no public safety. And Judges chapter 5 verse 6 if you want to put that one up, I think that was a long one. It describes a lack of public safety that these raids of the enemy caused. And, and it was at that time that Shamgar, uh, God used him because people wouldn't even walk the streets. It says in verse 7 that village life ceased in Israel. They wouldn't even come out of their houses. There was so much crime and so much violence, people didn't want to come out. Uh, there were no shields or spears seen among 40,000 Israelites, they, they weren't ready or equipped to defend themselves. And these desperate circumstances motivated one man, Shamgar, to remedy the situation. And the Bible doesn't say anything except that he struck down 600 enemy Philistines with an ox goad. Let's go to the next slide. Who was this guy? It doesn't say a whole lot about him, but who was he? Well, first of all, uh, it says that his father's name was Anath. Anath. That was the name of an ancient pagan goddess. Egyptian representations. Go to the next slide. I think I have a picture of, of, uh, of uh, her and some of her followers. They show Anath. No? Is that Colonel Sanders? No, let's go back. That's her right there. Stay right there. Now, a lot of them show her naked, so I found one where she's not, uh, because this isn't that kind of sermon, all right? Uh, she was an, they represent her as a nude goddess standing on a lion holding flowers, and during the Hellenist, Hellenistic age, they made her one with another god called Astarte. So this tells me that his dad was probably a pagan, that his dad probably worshipped this pagan goddess and was named after her. This is interesting. Shamgar, greatly used of God, wasn't raised by somebody who feared or loved God. Is it possible that God has a plan to use somebody that has no Christianity in their background? Whoa! Yeah, because that means he doesn't have to erase anything religious from their background. See, I was raised in church. And man, people raised in church need deliverance as much as somebody who's been in the bar all their life until they come to Christ. Yeah, uh, the hang-ups of religion are pretty strong. Oh man, I was raised in church. I used to sit in the very front row. My dad was a pastor. And we used to have preachers in all the time, reverend, doctor, so-and-so, and they'd come in. And some of them were scary. As I'd sit there, they'd 
spit out the whole front row, especially if they were anointed. If you want to get saved. And I mean, anointing would fly, splash all over the place. And I was a pastor's kid. I had to sit in the front. Splash, splash. Six, seven, eight years old. You, huh? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? <laughs> Do you know where you're going? Yeah, to the bathroom to wash my face. <laughs> and sometimes what you learn from religion gets in the way of what God really wants to do in your life. So if you haven't had any or enough in the background of your life, not to worry. Shamgar's dad was named after a pagan god. And yet God had a plan for Shamgar's life. God has a plan for you regardless of whether you were raised in church or not. God looks in church. That's his house where people gather. He looks there to find someone that he can use. But he's not limited to those that have been raised in religion. Moses was. Man, Moses was raised and, uh, and given birth. Uh, and, and his mother sealed his basket. And, and, and God picked him up. And he was, the rest of his life, he was in Egypt. And yet God used him. God is getting ready right now to take men and women, whether they, if they have religion in the background, he's going to wipe the slate clean and start them over new. And those who have had nothing in the background but sin, hang-ups, partying, messed up, God's going to take them and say, it's okay, Shamgar, where you came from. It's okay if you think you were an accident. It's okay if your life has been all messed up. Watch what I'm going to do with you, and it's going to give God glory. Somebody say amen to that. God took Samuel who used to sleep in the church and pick him up. And the Bible says he slept in church. He didn't know the Lord. It's possible there are millions of people who are in churches every Sunday morning and don't even know the Lord. They know what they believe, and they'll fight with another religion about it. Yeah. Who's your, who's your enemy? Ask some churches, and they'll say the, the church down the street. That's the enemy. They're, they're the competition. But God is not limited to that. Parents, instruct your children well in the things of the Lord. Insist that they draw close to God. Somebody say, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to push them to church. Push them to church. The world will push them the other direction. And it's better for them to say, my mom pushed me to church, than to say she never cared. Because they'll say one or the other. But this guy, Shamgar, he was from the tribe of the Benjamites. The entire tribe women and children included, was almost wiped out uh, by the Israelites' tribe after the Battle of Gibeah. They, they actually made a mistake and almost wiped out that tribe. And the few that were left were allowed to intermarry with other tribes of Israel to redo the tribe because they almost got wiped out. <laughs> Maybe you feel your family had nothing to give you but problems. Maybe there was abuse in your home early. God can still move and work beyond that. Regardless of living under a, a bridge, living in a street corner, 
living in a garbage can or eating out of it. Maybe somebody says, man, my family, my, oh, you don't know. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a mom. I didn't know who my sister was. I was. It doesn't matter. What matters uh, is what God's going to do with your life the moment you surrender to him. Not what happened back there, but from here on. Shamgar is an example of that. Oftentimes, God will raise somebody from supposedly an insignificant, almost wiped out background and make something great out of them. Here are some people that were doomed to fail. Now let's show that picture up there. But instead succeeded. All right. R.H. Macy. Most people are familiar with this large department store. I have to keep that credit card under lock and key. Uh, but it, uh, Macy didn't always have it easy. He started seven businesses and failed before hitting it big with his store in New York City. Uh, Kio Morita, you may not know his name, but you know his company, Sony. You know his first product was a rice cooker that didn't really cook rice, it burned it. <laughs> he sell, sold less than 100 of them, and it didn't stop him. He, with his partners, kept pushing forward, left that one, and then billion-dollar company. Bill Gates is up there. Didn't seem like a shoe-in for success after dropping out of Harvard and starting a failed business. His first business was called Trafodata. It failed. It didn't work. But his other one did. And then Microsoft took off. Harlan David Sanders. Is the colonel up there? Okay, I'm getting hungry now. Uh, Better known as Colonel Sanders because he dressed in white. He really was not a colonel. Dressed in white because that's the only thing that fit him when he went to the thrift store to buy it. Uh, had a hard time selling his chicken at first. Yeah, most people think he was, he was not a colonel. They called him a colonel. In fact, his famous secret chicken recipe was rejected 1,900 times before some restaurant said, all right, we'll take a chance on it. Walt Disney... He rakes in the Disney Corporation billions from merchandise, movies, and theme parks. But Walt himself had a rough start. He was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination. He didn't have enough imagination. He ended up in bankruptcy. And when he was little, and the teacher gave out colors, crayons, and paper to all the kids, said, draw something. And everybody drew something. And he drew flowers with faces and smiles. <laughs> and the teacher got mad. She said, flowers do not have faces. He was eight years old. Walter points his finger and says, my flowers do. <laughs> and during the 20s and during the Depression, one of his first movie cartoons were flowers that sang. Raked in half a million dollars, which would be a blockbuster today uh, during Depression. Kept plugging away and eventually found his uh, success. Thomas Edison, in his early years, teacher told him he was literally too stupid to learn. Thomas Edison, better known as the man who invented the first light bulb, tried over a thousand times unsuccessfully to make a light bulb. Most of us would have given up after a couple of hundred, but he found his success and he made it. Oprah, most people know her as iconic faces of TV, but did you know that she got fired as a reporter? Because her boss said she just wasn't television material. She wasn't TV enough. Most people know Seinfeld as a comedian, but the first time he stood up, he was booed off the stage. He went back up the next day 
and he was applauded and given a standing ovation. One of my favorites up there, Lucille Ball. During her career, she was considered, well, she got a bunch of Emmy nominations and, and uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Kennedy Center. But uh, before I Love Lucy, she was regarded as a failed B-movie actress. Never would rise to the top. In fact, uh, even her drama instructor didn't feel she could make it and told her, try something else, please. Acting is not for you. Elvis Presley, one of the best-selling artists of all time, before his death, 1954, he was still a nobody, and Jimmy Denny, his manager of the Grand Ole Opry, fired him and told him, you ain't going nowhere, sir. Maybe you should go back to driving a truck. All right. Now, why am I talking about these people? Well, because most are dead and they won't find me. <laughs> but not to badmouth anybody, it's just like when I talk about the prophet in a cave, Moses, who stuttered, or Peter, that who spoke without thinking. When I get to heaven, these guys are going to be looking for me. So I need you standing around me, please. Guard me, protect me, anybody. Because they're going to be looking for me. But it's not just to badmouth them. To let us know that God still has a plan and a purpose for your life, regardless of what you think your shortcomings are. Slide, please. Shamgar's success is that he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Where does your big break, where does your success, where does your life begin? When does it start? With him, it began with an ox goad. Now, that is not a weapon of war. People do not get ox gourds to fight hundreds of enemies. It's not a weapon of war. That's what you poke an ox with to get it to move. That big creature that just gets stuck somewhere, you can't push it. An ox gourd has a long, long handle and, and kind of pointy so that you can either hit him on the butt or you can poke him to get him moving. But that's not meant to kill 600 soldiers. In fact, there's no way to kill 600 soldiers with it unless there's an anointing from God to do it. This is important because most people feel they don't have the right tools, the right equipment, enough money, the right education, the right upbringing to do what they dream or desire or God has called them to do. God called Moses to speak and he was a stutter. I stutter. God said, who made your mouth? One of two. He was saying, I made your mouth. You're just making excuses. You don't stutter. Or he was saying, I made your mouth. I know you stutter. I'm going to use you just like that. I'm too old. I'm too weak. I'm too young. I'm too this. I'm too that. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You know what that means? It means that if you wait for all conditions to be favorable before you do something, you end up doing nothing. He that observes the wind will not sow. I've got these seeds, but I'm not going to plant them. There's too much wind. It'll scatter them. I'm going to wait till the wind dies down. I'm going to wait till conditions become favorable. Have you ever thought that? I want to open my business. 
I want to take that course of study. I really want to, but, but I don't have the money. I don't have the time. God, if it is your will, I want more time. If it is your will for this and this and this to happen, open the doors that should open. Close the ones that should close. Pay all of my bills. Kill all of my enemies. Line up all of my ducks and I'll know it is thine perfect as willeth. And God says, what if are you talking about it? <laughs> if you observe the wind, you're going to end up not sowing. So even if it's windy, sow. But it's going to scatter my seed. Well, at least you sowed something. So that at reaping time, you'll have something to gather. The next verse that is not up there says, In the morning, plant your seed, regardless of what the weather is. And at night, gather it, regardless of what the clouds look like. You know, uh, this isn't even in my notes, but there is something the Lord showed me when Jesus told his disciples to get on the boat and a storm arose. Remember, that was uh, Mark chapter 4. And, and the Bible says, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 14, where that's where Peter walked on the water. He, he, uh, he, he, the Bible says he constrained them to get on the boat. And most people read that and they just go, oh, he told them to get on the boat. Constrained them. He made them. In Spanish, it says los hizo. He forced them to get on the boat. And when I read that, I said, now, why did he have to force them or constrain them to get on the boat? Because they were fishermen, and they knew just by looking at the sky that a storm was coming. Uh, Lord, uh, can we take a boat ride tomorrow? You see those dark clouds and the wind? I, I think a storm's coming. I've been to Tiberias, and I've been in some of those wind storms, and that's not a good day for a boat ride. Yet Jesus constrained them to get on. He said, get on. Uh, uh, get on. God, you know, whenever we think all conditions are going to be favorable and everything's going to flow just perfectly in our life, I believe God sends an angel to sing a song to you, and it goes like this. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. There's going to be a little rain sometime. Who sang that? Not one country fan in here at all. I'm in the right, I'm in the right place. Who was it? I don't think it was Dolly Parton. Lo Loretta Lynn. Yeah. Well, maybe Dolly Parton did too. We'll give you credit for that. Yeah, you know, sometimes God forces you into a situation where you know you're going to have a confrontation. I hate confrontations. Don't say it because he'll force you to go forward and have that confrontation. Oh, I just hate to say it loud. You know what you're saying? You're saying, God, take me into that storm. No, why? Yeah, he will make you swim against the tide. He will make you walk into a situation where you know it's not going to be cool. He forced the disciples. And if we really made him Lord, then we're going to follow him into the rose garden and we're going to follow him into the storm. He never promised all conditions will be favorable, but you want to see a miracle? Follow him into the storm. You want to walk on the water? Get out of the boat of your comfort zone and get out where he's at. He's not in the boat. He's out in the storm. And he that observes the wind, if you expect everything to be favorable and every need to be met before you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to end up not doing it. And time is of the essence. That's why he says in the morning, so 
get to pour into whatever you're supposed to pour into and do it early. Some of you should already have your own business, but you're just waiting for a manager of some building to come and with the key and say, oh, I finally found you. I have a place for you to open that bakery. I'm just waiting. If it is thine will, God, an angel will fly in with the lease and say, here it is. No. You go against contrary winds. You're not, uh, you're not trusting on the times or the economic uh, uh, pressures around you. You're not trusting in man or in the banks or in the educational system. You're trusting in God and he creates the seasons. He's the one that can make you walk and swim against the tide. Go. This is what this man did. He didn't have the right tools. He had an ox gourd. That tells us something about him that maybe he was a rancher, not a soldier. But we just read a while ago that there were no soldiers. There was no security. People didn't even go out of their houses. And here comes this guy who's not a farmer and not a soldier, doesn't have the right education or the right preparation and the right training. And he says, I am so tired of these enemies messing with us. So he takes what he has. An ox gourd, well, this is what I whack my ox with so he can move. This is what, and that's what he used. And that's what God is going to use in your life. What you have in your hand, what you are given, what you have control over. You can't use what you don't have, but you can use what you do have. Somebody say amen to that. Nobody took Lucille Ball seriously in her acting role, so she said, well, if they're laughing at my acting, I'm just going to make people laugh. What did God say to Moses when he called him? What do you have in your hand? And he had his staff. My staff. And isn't that what God used to open the Red Sea? Isn't that what God used to smite Egypt and bring plagues? Isn't that what God used to, to, to bring water to a bunch of thirsty Israelites? What he had in his hand? What he had in his hand, though, he had to yield it and release it to God. God will always ask, what do you have? And if you don't have anything he can use, he'll give you something he can use. But he always starts with what you have. Remember that woman in the Old Testament that the prophet said, what do you have at home? Nothing except a little oil. She called it nothing except a little oil. And God used what she called nothing. Don't ever say you have nothing. You have something. If you have nothing, that's zero. Zero times a million is zero. But have you ever seen, I looked in the internet, it's not part of this message, it's part of another one, but I freaked out when I, somebody said, would you rather have $100,000 or a penny doubled every day for 30 days? And of course, most people say, well, $100,000, because they think that's 30 cents at the end of a month. It's not. A penny doubled the next day is two pennies. Double the next day is four cents. Double the next day is eight cents. But when you get to the 15th and 16th day, by the 30th day, you have $1,600,000. Because that's called exponential growth. Wow. See, we're not too familiar with that. So if you have one, you have something that God can use. 
my stuff. Everybody had one of those, but until he gave it to God, surrendered it to God, threw it down, God transformed it into a snake, and he took off running because he had a fear of snakes. <laughs> and in heaven, the angels were saying, God, are you sure this is the guy you're going to use? He's running from a snake. Yeah, but transforming a staff to a snake was not the big miracle. Transforming a stuttering, frightened, insecure man into a great prince of Egypt. That was the transformation God was using that staff for. God will use whatever you have. He had an ox cord. He had that in his hand. I don't have what I need. Boo-hoo. You don't know. The neighbors, they got stuff. Please don't fall into that keeping up with the Jones thing. Please don't fall into that. People are so, it's not a sin to have stuff. It's a sin when stuff has you. And people today don't have stuff. Stuff has them. Uh, I lost something. If you own anything that upon losing it, it makes you cry, that something has too much authority in your life. You don't own it, it owns you. There goes a guy with his top down and his Mercedes and his nice clothes and he's listening to his stereo and driving. And here comes some man in a 71 Chevy, uh, primer color. <laughs> And smashes the side of his car. Crash! Oh! And he gets up and he looks at his, oh, my door is smashed. Oh, it's my beautiful car. And when the policeman gets here, he says, you're crying for your car. Yeah, look at it. It's smashed. The cop says, you haven't seen your arm? Huh? His arm was out when the car hit. Smashed his arm. He hadn't even noticed. He's got a bone sticking out here, blood gushing out. Oh, oh. My watch, it's a Rolex, oh no! <laughs> Too much attention to stuff. It's not appropriate for killing enemies. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He was at the right place, at the right time, for God to use him. And that's where you have to be. You think you're here by accident? You think you're here by coincidence? Those who are homebodies are in a transition that's going to prepare your life for transforming nations. Those who are here for the first time, God has you here because he's going to do great things in your life. And you're connecting to a place that is making history. Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, you're making history. God is making history with you. Yes. Oh, and somebody could say, oh, but, but they're in a dance hall. They, they, yeah, that's why you're going to be dancing. You're in a dance hall. I remember when we started to work in Sanger some years ago, we were renting the community center, and one Sunday we get there, and there was a, a, a boxing ring in the middle of it that couldn't be removed. <laughs> you remember that, Annie? My ushers are losing. Pastor, what are we doing? There's a boxing ring there. It takes hours to put it up and to take it down, and they left that up, and, and we got people showing up early to church. And, and I said, well, I'm preaching about spiritual battle. <laughs> got with a drama team quickly and, and the teenagers, and 
you know, teenagers are full of drama as it is anyway, so we got them, just, just a thought, okay? So, so we made the message cool. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, the keyboard just had to have, and it did have certain sound effects, and we made a World Wrestling Federation match out of that message this morning. And it turned out to be a blessing. You know what one service people remember the most while we were the whole year in that community center? The day that the wrestling match happened between somebody we dressed up as the devil and somebody we put armor on as a Christian. Yeah. Don't ever think, oh no, this is a stumbling block. Maybe it's a stumbling block or maybe it's a stepping stone. Something God put there not to knock you down, but to step up and move higher to another level. Somebody will see a place and say they, they, they don't have a building. Or, or, or somebody's they've lost something. You know, I used to think that way. When I first visited Sanger, where my wife was raised, I used to go have revivals there once a year, but I didn't know it. I was from Phoenix. And after we were married, we'd go and visit at the time of year that all the grape vines are there, table grapes. And they were dry, and they were brown, and they didn't have leaves, and they have branches. And coming from a big city, I, I said, you know, they ought to just tear all those old stumps down and build something that produces there, a building, a Starbucks, something. She said, what do you mean? I said, look, they're all dead. She said, they're not dead. Yeah, they are. They don't have leaves. They don't, what, what are they? She says, those are grapevines. No, they're not. They're just dead stumps. Oh, she said, it's that time of year. Even what little branches there are, they have to be cut. They have to be pruned. Anybody like me who doesn't know would look at it and say, oh, man, they're, they're even making it smaller than it was. It's all brown and dead is not dead. It's that season. And without that season, you don't have the other season where the grapes are there in big bunches. You have to cut off even what's there already so that in that place of emptiness, hallelujah, speak to us, Lord, that new branches that bear fruit in the right season. God deals with us by seasons. And sometimes we're running forward and sometimes we're stepping back and somebody who's unlearned about what God is doing in your life is always going backwards. He's only taking some footing so he can leap further. And the steps backwards are not a death. They are not uh, destruction. They are not failure. They're footing so that you can broad jump even further. You look at a broad jumper. Yeah, you look at a broad jumper. They have a track that goes backwards. They have to go backwards in order to leap forward with greater footing. And that's the seasons of God, the seasons of cutting, the seasons of, that look dead on the outside. There's life happening on the inside. Something is happening in the root that at the next season is going to burst forth with great fruit. Somebody say amen to that. Don't ever say you don't have the right tools. All you need is the anointing to win. 
It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing of God's favor that will go with you to the bank that says you don't qualify. It's the anointing of God that goes with you to your enemies and turns their hearts and melts them before you. It is the anointing of God that opens doors that are tightly shut. It's the anointing of God that gives you what you need when you're not prepared for it. It's the anointing of God, an anointing to win. That anointing can't be seen. Oh, but it's there. It's so real. It goes with you. It's God's favor. It's God's power. It's His presence. It's His purpose in your life. I don't know what else we have up there. What's next? That. The anointing to win. I want, I want this to pour on you this morning. The anointing to win. Bow your head, everybody. Close your eyes with me. And for a moment, as no one's looking to their sides, God is speaking to you this morning. I'm going to make two invitations. The first one is this. If you were invited, somebody gave you a flyer, somebody brought you here, it's because they really care about you. In fact, thank them for this because God has a plan and a purpose for your life and it's not going to happen automatically. Automatically, well, God's will is going to happen in my life. What he created me for is going to take place no matter what I do. Most people think God's a big puppeteer. He's pulling all the strings and I'm just one of his puppets. No. Too many people miss out on what they were created for. They don't live God's perfect plan or will because they never surrendered to God. Yeah. And some of them won't tell you about it. Rich or poor, they are miserable because they're not living God's purpose for their life. But the most peaceful, satisfied man or woman on earth, rich or poor, is the one that is living God's plan and purpose. And it starts with surrendering your life to Christ. This is Salvation Sunday. No better time and no better place than someone this morning saying, I want to surrender my life to God. I want His will and purpose in my life. Maybe there's shortcomings or things in your life you think are a hindrance. They're so impossible and so messed up that nobody, nothing can fix them. <laughs> God can. He has an anointing for you to win and to prosper and be blessed. But it starts with that first step of surrendering your life to God. I'm seeing in the spirit someone that's supposed to go to surgery to, for, to correct some kind of a problem with your bone and God is going to heal that. It's going to be healed. Thank you, Lord, for healing from curvature in Jesus' name. There's someone else that had damage in their lower back and one of your legs in a lot of pain and you're going to be healed this morning. There's someone else who suffers like Elijah with bouts of depression and anxiety. And even though you're a joyful person on the outside, you can't be alone. Those things pop up when you're by yourself. Depression, anxiety, fears, phobias. You're going to be healed. But the first invitation I'm making is for men and women this morning who said, I'm glad I'm here. Something is happening inside me and I need to surrender my life to God. Don't waste time. Will God change everything? Everything that needs changing? 
He may use you in what your preparation is and He may give you a whole new set of abilities that come from the Spirit. But you need to surrender your life to Christ. If there's anyone here this morning who hasn't done it, regardless of what your background is, what religion, if any, or this church or another or none, wipe the slate clean. For a moment, think about nothing except have I ever prayed the prayer of repentance, the Bible calls it, to receive what the Bible calls the gift of salvation? And if you haven't, this is the morning to do it. Or if you drifted away from God, you need to connect back in this morning. Who would raise their hand and say, Pastor Roy, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Christ this morning. Thank you, Miha. You too, sir. Who else? Over there, thank you. And you. And you. Thank you, sir. And you. Who else? Thank you. I see that hand. All of you that raised your hands, congratulations. For going beyond what a coward might. Oh, oh man, I don't you know what, what somebody going to think. What... You know, at Victory Outreach, that's what makes us different. The only thing somebody's going to think when they raise their hand and say, I need to surrender to Christ is, good, I did it too. They need it. I needed it. Nobody's going to point and think. This is between you and God. You that raised your hands, stand up with me. I want to lead you in prayer. Th thank you. Thank you. And, and look, you're not alone. Thank you. Come on. Go ahead. Stand. Anyone else? join them. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. You say, well, I need to. Go ahead. Stand up. This prayer is short, sweet, down to the point. Because you know, God is simple. Jesus was not born in a palace. He was born in a manger. So he may not be born in a palace, but he can be born in a heart that needs him this morning. I'm going to ask anyone else, stand to your feet and join him. Or if you slipped away from God, maybe you're scheduled something you went through disappointment in your life drew you away from God you need to reconnect thank you thank you thank you anyone else stand thank you all right now I'm going to ask you that are standing come out of your seat just come here and stand I'm not going to embarrass anybody I'm going to lead you in prayer right up here and the reason I do this is because the Bible says that if we confess him before men he'll confess us before the Father. Just come. and Stand facing me over here. We're going to pray a prayer that can change everything. Congratulations. Congratulations. Let's give them a hand of congratulations for praying this prayer. These are new beginnings for you. And can I say I'm seeing a little army, an army of people that are really high. Did you know God high-tech do you know God is looking for geeks today too? He needs them. Because He's going to infiltrate and use the internet for His glory. Yeah. So God's going to use some of you in that area. In business, with your family. We don't know where, but God's going to do great things in your life. We want his plan and purpose. Anyone else want to join them before we pray? Everyone stand to your feet now and let's pray. We're going to pray this prayer and I want you to repeat it and say it out loud. And I'm going to ask everybody to repeat it just to strengthen those that have come up for the first time. 